Hello and welcome again to the podcast of the Golden Book of Marcus Aurelius. My name is Barry Vickers and just a reminder, first of all, that there's a website to go with this podcast. Uh, the website is www.themapodcast.wordpress.com and uh, there's also a book you can buy on Amazon to accompany this and you can um, read along. Um, today's episode is book five. Um, before I begin, just to tell you a little bit about book five. First of all, I think it's interesting because uh, Marcus talks about stirring from our bed and we get the sense that he's a bit like me, probably an owl, rather than being a lark and finds it difficult to get up in the morning. And uh, the thrust of this chapter is to do our duty with courage and to self-examine our actions without seeking reward or recompense. And there's also a nice reference to Mario Balotelli, and I suppose to explain that, what Marcus is saying is that uh, we shouldn't seek applause or adulation for what we do. Uh, Mario Balotelli once said, um, we don't applaud our postman for delivering letters, so he's a famous footballer. He doesn't understand why people applaud him for scoring goals, which is an interesting take. Maybe uh, Mario is a, is a, like a, a philosopher like Marcus Aurelius. Anyway, book five. Um, let's get started. In the morning, when thou risest so willingly, let this thought be present. I am rising to the work of a human being. Why then am I dissatisfied if I am going to do the things for which I exist and for which I was brought into the world? Or have I been made for this, to lie in the bed clothes and keep myself warm? But this is more pleasant. Dost thou exist then to take thy pleasure, and not at all for action or exertion? Dost thou not see the little plants, the little birds, the ants, the spiders, the bees working together to put in order their several parts of the universe? And art thou unwilling to do the work of a human being? And dost thou not make haste to that which is according to thy nature? But it is necessary to take rest also. It is necessary. However, nature has fixed bounds to this too. She has fixed bounds both to eating and drinking. And yet thou goest beyond these bounds, beyond what is sufficient. Yet in thy acts it is not so, but thou stoppest short of what thou canst do. So thou lovest not thyself, for if thou did, thou wouldst love thy nature and her will. But those who love their several arts exhaust themselves in working at them unwashed and without food. But thou valuest thy own nature less than the turner values. The turning art, or the dancer, the dancing art, or the lover of money values his money, or the vainglorious man his little glory. And such men, when they have a violent affection to a thing, choose neither to eat nor to sleep, rather than to perfect the things which they care for. But are the acts which concern society more vile in thy eyes, and less worthy of their labour? How easy it is to repel and wipe away every impression which is troublesome or unsuitable and immediately to be in all tranquillity. Judge every word and deed which are according to nature to be fit for thee, and be not diverted by the blame which follows from any people nor by their words. But if a thing is good to be done or said, do not consider it unworthy of thee. For those persons have their peculiar leading principle and follow their peculiar movement, which things do not their regard, but go straight on. Follow thy own nature, and the common nature, and the way of both is one. I go through the things which happen according to nature, and I shall fall and rest, breathing out my breath into the element out of which 
I daily drawed in, and falling upon that earth out of which my father collected the seed and my mother the blood and my nurse the milk, out of which during so many years I have been supplied with food and drink, which bears me when I tread on it and abuse it for so many purposes. Thou sayest man cannot admire the sharpness of thy wits. Be it so, but there are many other things which thou cannot say. I am not formed for them by nature. Show those qualities then which are altogether in thy power. Sincerity, gravity, endurance of labour, aversion to pleasure, contentment with a portion and with few things, benevolence, frankness, no love of superfluity, freedom from trifling magnanimity. Thou dost not see how many qualities thou art immediately able to exhibit in which there is no excuse of natural incapacity and unfitness, and yet thou still remainest voluntarily below the mark. Or art thou compelled, through being defectively furnished by nature, to murmur and to be stingy and to flatter and to find fault with thy poor body and to try and please men and to make great display and to be so restless in thy mind? No, by the gods! But thou mightest have been delivered from these things long ago. Only if in truth thou canst be charged with being rather slow and dull of comprehension, thou must exert thyself about this also. Not neglecting it, or not taking pleasure in thy dullness. One man, when he has done a service to another, is ready to set it down in his account as a favour conferred. Another is not ready to do this, but still, in his own mind, he thinks the man is his debtor, and he knows what he has done. A third in a manner does not even know what he has done, but he is like a vine which has produced grapes and seeks for nothing more after it has produced its proper fruit. As a horse when it has run, a dog when he has drank the game, a bee when it has made honey, so a man when he has done a good act does not call out for others to come and see, but he goes on to another act as a vine goes on to produce again the grapes in season. Must a man then be of these, who, in a manner, act thus without observing it? Yes, but this very thing is necessary, the observation of what a man is doing, for it may be said it is a characteristic of the social animal to perceive that he is working in a social manner, and indeed to wish that his social partner should perceive it. It is true that thou sayest, but thou dost not rightly understand what is now said. And for this reason thou wilt become one of those whom I spoke before, for even they are misled by a certain show of reason. But if thou wilt choose to understand the meaning of what is said, do not fear that for this reason thou wilt omit any social act. A prayer of the Athenians. Rain, rain. O dear Zeus, down in the ploughed fields of the Athenians and on the plains. In truth, we ought not to pray at all, or we ought to pray in this simple and noble fashion. Just as we must understand when it is said that Escapolis prescribed to this man horse exercise, or bathing in cold water, or going without shoes, so we must understand it when it is said that the nature of the universe prescribed to this man disease or mutilation or loss of anything else of the kind. For in the first case, prescribed means something like this. He prescribed this for this man as a thing adapted to procure health. And in the second case, this means that which happens to 
or suits, every man is fixed in a manner for him suitably to his destiny. For this is what we mean when we say that things are suitable to us. As the workmen say of squared stones and walls of the pyramids, that they are suitable when they fit them to one another in some kind of connection. For there is altogether one fitness, harmony, and as the universe is made up of all bodies, to be such a body as it is, so out of all existing causes, necessity, destiny, is made up to be such a cause as it is. And even those who are completely ignorant understand what I mean. For they, it, necessity, destiny, brought this to such a person. This then was brought and this was prescribed to him. Let us then receive these things, as well as those which a scapulist prescribes. Many, as a matter of course, even among his prescriptions, are disagreeable, but we accept them in the hope of health. Let the perfecting and accomplishment of the things with the common nature judges to be good, be judged by thee to be of the same kind as thy health. And so accept everything which happens, even if it seems disagreeable, because it leads to this to the health of the universe and to the prosperity and felicity of Zeus, the universe. For he would not have brought on any man what he has brought if it were not useful for the whole. Neither does the nature of anything, whatever it may be, cause anything which is not suitable to that which is directed by it. For two reasons, then, it is right to be content with that which happens to thee. The one because it was done for thee and prescribed for thee and in a manner had reference to thee originally from the most ancient causes spun within thy destiny and the other because even that which comes over severally to every man is to the power which administers the universe a cause of felicity and perfection nay even of its very continuance for the integrity of the whole is mutilated if thou cuttest off anything whatever from the conjunction and the continuity, either of the parts or of the causes. And thou dost cut off as far as it is in thy power when thou art dissatisfied, and in a manner tries to put anything out of the way. Be not disgusted, nor discouraged, nor dissatisfied, if thou dost not succeed in doing everything according to right principles, but when thou hast failed, return back again and be content if the greater part of what thou doest is consistent with man's nature, and love this to which thou returned, and do not return to philosophy as if she were a master, but act like those things who have sore eyes and apply a bit of sponge and egg, or as another applies the plaster or drenching with water. For thus thou wilt not fail to obey reason, and thou wilt repose in it. And remember that philosophy requires only the things which thy nature requires, but thou wouldst have something else which is not according to nature. It may be objected. Why what is more agreeable than this which I am doing? But is it not this very reason why pleasure deceives us? And consider if magnanimity, freedom, simplicity, equanimity, piety are not more agreeable. But what is more agreeable than wisdom itself, when thou thinkest of the security and the happy course of all things which depend on the faculty of understanding and knowledge? Things are in such a kind of envelopment that they seem to philosophers not a few, nor those common philosophers, altogether unintelligible, 
Nay, even to the Stoics themselves, they seem difficult to understand. And all our assent is changeable, for where is a man who has never changes? Carry their thoughts, then, to the objects themselves, and consider how short-lived they are, and worthless, and that they may be in the possession of a filthy wretch, or a whore, or a robber. Then turn to the morals of those who live with thee, and it's hardly possible to endure even the most agreeable of them, to say nothing of a man being hardly able to endure himself. In such darkness then, and dirt, and in so constant a flux both of substance and of time, and of motions and of things moved, what there is worth being highly prized, or even an object of serious pursuit, I cannot imagine. But on the contrary, it is a man's duty to comfort himself, and to wait for the natural dissolution, and not to be vexed at the delay, but to rest in these principles only. The one, that nothing will happen to me which is not conformable to the nature of the universe, and the other, that it is in my power never to act contrary to my god and demon, for there is no man who will compel me to this. And what am I now employing my own soul? On every occasion I must ask myself this question and inquire, what have I now in this part of me which they call the ruling principle? And whose soul have I now, that of a child or of a young man, or a feeble woman, or a tyrant, or of a domestic animal, or of a wild beast? What kind of things are those which appear good to the many, we may learn even from this? For if a man should conceive certain things as being really good, such as prudence or temperance, justice, fortitude, he would not, having first conceived these, endure to listen to anything which should not be in harmony with what is really good. But if a man has first conceived as good the things which appear to many to be good, he will listen and readily receive as very applicable that which was said by the comic writer. Thus even the many perceive the difference. For were it not so, this saying would not offend and would not be rejected in the first case. While we receive it when it is said of wealth, and of the means which further luxury and fame as said fitly and wittily. Go on then, and ask if we should value and think those things to be good, to which, after their first conception in the mind, the words of the comic writer might be aptly applied, that he who has them, through pure abundance, has not a place to ease himself in. I am composed of the formal and the material, and neither of them will perish into non-existence, as neither of them came into existence out of non-existence. Every part of me will then be reduced by change into some part of the universe, and that again will change into another part of the universe, and so on forever. And by consequence of such a change, I too exist, and those who begot me, and so on forever, in the other direction. And nothing hinders us from saying so, even if the universe is administered according to definite periods of revolution. Reason and the reasoning art, philosophy, are powers which are sufficient for themselves and for their own works. They move then from a first principle which is their own, and they make their way to the end which is proposed to them. And this is the reason why such acts are named thesis or right acts which word signifies that they proceed by the right road. None of these things ought to be called man's, which do not belong to a man as man. They are not required of a man, nor does a man's nature promise them, 
nor are they the means of a man's nature attaining its end. Neither, then, does the end of a man lie in these things, nor yet that which aids to the accomplishment of this end, and that which aids towards the end, is that which is good. Besides, if any of these things did belong to a man, it would not be right for a man to despise them, and to set himself against them. Nor would a man be worthy of praise, who showed that he did not want these things. Nor would he who stinted himself in any of them be good, if indeed these things were good. But now, the more of these things a man deprives himself of, or of other things like them, or even when he is deprived of any of them, the more patiently he endures the loss, just in the same degree he is a better man. Such as are thy habitual thoughts, such also will be the character of thy mind, for the soul is dyed by the thoughts. Diet then with a continuous series of such thoughts as these, for instance, that where a man can live, there he can also live well. But he must live in a palace, well then, he can also live well in a palace. And again, consider that for whatever purpose each thing has been constituted, for this it has been constituted, and towards this it is carried, and its end is in that towards which it is carried. And where the end is, there also is the advantage and the good of each thing. Now the good for the reasonable animal is society. For that we are made for society has been shown above. Is it not plain that the inferior exists for the sake of the superior? But the things which have life are superior to those which have not life. And those which have life, the superior, are those to which have reason. To seek what is impossible is madness, and it is impossible that the bad should not do something of this kind. Nothing happens to any man which he is not formed by nature to bear. The same things happen to another, and either because he does not see that they have happened, or because he would show a great spirit, he is firm and remains unharmed. It is a shame, then, that ignorance and conceit should be stronger than wisdom. Things themselves touch not the soul, not in the least degree, nor they have admission to the soul, nor can they turn or move the soul. But the soul turns and moves itself alone, and whatever judgments it may think proper to make, such it makes for itself the things which present themselves to it. In one respect, man is the nearest thing to me, so far as I must do good to men and endure them. But so far as some men make themselves obstacles to my proper acts, man becomes to me one of the things which are indifferent, no less than the sun or wind or wild beast. Now it is true that these may impede my action, but they are no impediments to my effects and disposition, which have the power of acting conditionally and changing. For the mind converts and changes every hindrance to its activity into an aid, and so that which is a hindrance is made a furtherance to an act, and that which is an obstacle on the road helps us on this road. Reverence that which is best in the universe, and this is that which makes use of all things and directs all things. And in like manner also reverence that which is best in thyself, and this is of the same kind as that. For in thyself also that which makes us everything else is this, and thy life is directed by this. That which does no harm to the state does no harm to the citizen. In the case of every appearance to harm, apply this rule. If the state is not harmed by this, neither am I harmed. 
But if the state is harmed, thou must not be angry with him who does harm to the state. Show him where the error is. Often think of the rapidity with which things pass by and disappear, both the things which are and the things which are produced. For substance is like a river in continual flow, and the activities of things are in constant change, and the causes work in infinite varieties, and there is hardly anything which stands still. And consider this which is near to thee. This boundless abyss of the past and the future in which all things disappear. How then is he not a fool who is puffed up with such things or plagued about them and makes himself miserable? For they vex him only for a time and a short time. Think of universal substance, of which thou hast a very small portion, and of universal time, of which a short and indivisible interval has been assigned to thee. And that which is fixed by destiny, how small a part of it thou art. Does another do me wrong? Let him look to it. He has his own disposition, his own activity. I now have what the universal nature wills me to have, and I do what my nature now wills me to do. Let the part of thy soul which leads and governs be undisturbed by the movements in the flesh, whether of pleasure or of pain, and let it not unite with them, but let it circumscribe itself and limit those effects to their parts. But when these effects rise up the mind by virtue of that other sympathy that naturally exists in the body, which is all one, then thou must not strive to resist the sensation, for it is natural. But let not the ruling part of itself add to the sensation the opinion that it is either good or bad. Live with the gods. And he does live with the gods who constantly shows to them his soul is satisfied with that which is assigned to him, and that it does all that the demon wishes, which Zeus hath given to every man for his guardian and guide a portion of himself. And this is every man's understanding and reason. Art thou angry with him whose armpits stink? Art thou angry with him whose mouth smells foul? What good will this danger do thee? He has such a mouth, he has such armpits. It is necessary that such an emanation must come from such things. But the man has reason. It will be said that, and he is able, if he takes pain, to discover wherein he offends. I wish thee well of thy discovery. Well then, and thou hast reason. By thy rational faculty, stir up his rational faculty. Show him his error, admonish him, for if he listens, thou wilt cure him, and there is no need of anger. Neither tragic actor nor whore. As thou intendest to live when thou art gone out, so it is in thy power to live here. But if men do not permit thee, then get away out of life, yet so as if thou wert suffering no harm. The house is smoky, and I quit it. Why does thou not think that this is any trouble, but so long as nothing of the kind drives me out, I remain. I'm free, and no man shall hinder me from doing what I choose, and I choose to do what is according to the nature of the rational and social animal. The intelligence of the universe is social. Accordingly, it has made the inferior things for the sake of the superior, and it has fitted the superior to one another. Thou seest how it has subordinated, coordinated, and assigned to everything its proper portion, and has brought together its concord with one another the things which are the best. How hast thou behaved hitherto to the gods, thy parents, brethren, children, teachers, to those who looked after thee, 
from thy infancy, to thy friends, kinsfolks, to thy slaves? Consider if thou hast hitherto behaved in all in such a way that it may be said of thee, Never has wronged a man in deed or word. And call to recollection both how many things thou hast passed through, and how many things thou hast been able to endure, and that the history of thy life is now complete, and thy services ended, and how many beautiful things thou hast seen, and how many pleasures and pains thou hast despised, and how many things called honourable thou hast spurned, and to how many ill-minded folks thou hast shown a kind disposition. Why do unskilled and ignorant souls disturb him who has skills and knowledge? What soul then has skills and knowledge? That which knows beginning and end, and knows the reason which pervades all substance, and through all time by fixed periods, revolutions, administers the universe. Soon, very soon, wilt thou be ashes, or a skeleton, and neither a name or not even a name, but name is sound and echo. All the things which are much valued in life are empty and rotten and trifling. And like little dogs biting one another and little children quarrelling, laughing, and then straightway weeping. But fidelity and modesty and justice and truth are fled. Up to Olympus from the widespread earth. What then is there which still detains thee here? If the objects of sense are easily changed and never stand still, and the organs of perception are dull and easily receive false impressions, and the poor soul itself is in exhalation from blood. But to have good repute amidst such a world as this is an empty thing. Why then dost thou not wait in tranquillity for thy end, whether it is extinction or removal to another state? And until that time comes, what is sufficient? Why, what else then to venerate the gods and bless them, and to do good to men and to practice tolerance and self-restraint but as to everything which is beyond the limits of the poor flesh and breath, to remember that this is neither thine nor in thy power. Thou canst pass thy life in an equitable flow of happiness, if they can go by the right way and think and act in the right way. These two things are common both to the soul of God and to the soul of man, and the soul of every rational being, not to be hindered by another, and to hold good to consist in the disposition to justice and the practice of it, and this to let their desire find its termination. If this is neither my own badness nor an effect of my own badness, and the common weal is not injured, why am I troubled about it, and what is the harm to the common weal? Do not be carried along inconsiderately by the appearance of things, but give help to all according to their ability and their fitness, and if they should have sustained loss in matters which are indifferent, do not imagine this to be a damage, for it is a bad habit. But as the old man, when he went away, asked back his foster child's top, remembering that it was a top, so do thou in this case also. When thou art calling out the rostra, hast thou forgotten, man, what these things are? Yes, but they are objects of great concern to these people. But thou too then be made a fool for these things? I was once a fortunate man, but I lost it. I know not how, but a fortunate 
means that a man has assigned to himself a good fortune, and a good fortune is good disposition of the soul, good emotions, good actions. So that's the end of book six. I hope you've enjoyed it. Until next time, take care. Bye bye.